Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. You step back when there's a push. Do you remain silent when again someone speaks against it? Or are you one who's able to stand? Do you buy into this whole world's direction to keep your religion to yourself? Don't talk to me about your religion. But beloved, if you are truly a child of God, if you're truly a believer in Jesus Christ, hopefully you understand and know by now that it's not religion. It is truly a relationship relationship with the one true and only all-powerful God. Are you willing to stay on mission and take the consequences, whatever those consequences might be? If we kept religion to ourselves, we probably wouldn't hear much from the opposition. But since we're willing to stay on mission to fully proclaim our hope in Jesus Christ, we should realize that pushback is inevitable. As we listen to Pastor David today, we will be encouraged to take some things into consideration when it comes to the realities of staying on mission. Taking a stand for the Lordship of Christ brings pushback from those who have not yet entered the Kingdom of God. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Stay on Mission. I don't think anyone can really deny the, the fact of what's going on in our world today. Our, our, everything about us today, we see this continual changing, this continual shifting, the, the mores or the morals of our world and particularly of our Western culture seems to be on this continual downhill slide. And I don't think that you can pay much attention to the news or the reports or anything and not see that going on. What used to be normal is now abnormal. What used to be abnormal is now accepted as normal. It's paraded around and even uh, put up as something to be desired and for certain that we would tolerate these things. The church that at one point in time was the the bastion of of truth, uh, the standards of morality and integrity and honor is now being pushed off into the corners, into the shadowlands of our culture. She's told to remain silent and and to not try and interfere with this process of this ever-evolving cultural diversity. God no longer is a welcome guest, and as a matter of fact, he's been banned from the halls of education and justice and national politics. The failure of the church itself to remain steadfast, to remain pure to the word of God, and and to be wholly committed to the message of the gospel while at the same time having an honest concern and a love for the lost and the dying around her, Her failure to be able to do that has caused the world to see her 
as only some marketing ploy to gain some kind of financial support, or she's become some positive thinking, feel good about yourself social club. The silence of the church unfortunately demonstrates that she no longer really recognizes herself as the actual, physical, Holy Spirit-empowered body of Christ in the world today. And too often, she moves through the world fully recognizing all of these changes, all of these declines in the culture that surround her, and rather than standing up for the truth, regardless of the consequences of it, she kowtows down to public opinion, the media, and the politics. All this while allowing the message of the hope of the gospel to be contained within the walls of chapels and cathedrals and worship centers. She's in essence saying by her actions and by her words, well, this is all we can do and we can do no more. But beloved, that's a lie of the enemy. That is a lie of the enemy. We are the church We are called to be the strong, persistent, and consistent witness of the Lord Jesus Christ to our communities, to our cities, to our nation, and to our world. Standing against these very forces and the the gates of hell as we continue to proclaim that message of hope, that message of redemption that is ours, that is given to us through the word of God, empowered to us by the Holy Spirit, and directed for us by God himself. By and through that ongoing work of the Holy Spirit of God in the lives of individual members and our coming together corporately as a unified body, we are to be the ones who are taking the message and the hope of Jesus Christ to our culture, whether they receive it or not. We are called to proclaim, whether they receive it or not. Whether they have ears to hear and eyes to see, or rather their ears and their eyes are closed to that message. We, as a church, we need to be persistent in the message of the gospel, and we need to be willing to receive whatever the consequences are to that. And I say that because I believe that in our culture, should the Lord tarry, it's going to be harder and harder. It's going to become more difficult, both corporately as well as individually, to continue to proclaim the message of the hope of the gospel in the purity of the word of God without trying to surround it and soften it up and make it socially acceptable. You see, to preach and to proclaim the pure word of God, unfortunately, is going to come about with many adverse consequences, again, should the Lord tarry. So my question to you this morning as we get into this study, how easy are you to be talked out of proclaiming the change in your life due to that transforming, redemptive work of Christ in your life? Do you step back when there's a push? Do you remain silent when, again, someone speaks against it? Or are you one who's able to stand? Do you buy into this whole world's direction to keep your religion to yourself? Don't talk to me about your religion. But beloved, if you are truly a child of God, if you're truly a believer in Jesus Christ, hopefully you understand and know by now that it's not religion. It is truly a relationship. Relationship with the one true and only all-powerful God. Are you willing to stay on mission and take the consequences, whatever those consequences might be? 
to stay on mission, to continue to proclaim the name of and our hope in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Are there going to be consequences? Yes, and some of you perhaps have already experienced those consequences. Perhaps in your family, your family is backed away from you because maybe you've become one of those Jesus freaks. Maybe because the thing that seems to come out of your mouth more often than not is, again, your love, devotion, and commitment to Jesus Christ. And your family and maybe your friends and maybe your coworkers, they're becoming more and more uncomfortable around that. Why? Because you're speaking the truth, and that truth penetrates the reality of their truth and the emptiness of their heart. We're here in the last few verses of Luke chapter 13. I invite you to turn there this morning. And as we look at these verses, we come to realize that, yes, even that first century church had a tremendous amount of pushback. Why? Because our Lord Jesus had pushback. Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 31, we read these words. And on that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, saying to Jesus, get out and depart from here for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. The context of what Luke is writing for us here, this event happened either uh, right after or, or just following what Jesus had just spoken about, the teaching that he had just given them in reference to the limitation of who was going to be in the kingdom of heaven. Up in verse 23, we had read in, in previous week where Jesus says, uh, he said to or one of the others that were on, in the crowd there said to Jesus, Lord, are there few who are saved? And Jesus responded to him, he says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Beloved, that's not a seeker-sensitive message at all right there. As a matter of fact, it's definitely not a popular teaching at all. Many during that day that believed themselves to be very religious, they acted religious on the outside, they they spoke the right words, they had the language down, perhaps even they were doing outside activities that spoke about how religious they were. But Jesus is speaking to them and he's drawing a very strong and a very powerful line and he's declaring that it's relationship, not religion, that's going to make the difference within their lives. Not simply being religious, not even trying to do the right thing, but it's relationship with him. Jesus warned those that were with him of that great deception that was filling the hearts of so many and continues to fill the hearts of so many today. Up in verse 27, he warns them that many are going to come in that final day, asking to be led into his kingdom, but his response to them is going to be, I do not know you, where you are from, He says, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And he's speaking, your gang, to those who felt that they were good enough. They felt that they were religious enough. They felt that they had an in into heaven. We've also seen as we've gone through Luke's gospel record that for the most part, these Pharisees, they're not listed as friends in Jesus' Facebook account, okay? These were always coming against him, always trying to destroy him, at least the leadership of the Pharisees. 
And yet we also know that there were some Pharisees that did come to faith in Christ. There were some that followed his teachings. Think of the ones like Joseph of Arimathea and and Nicodemus. And again, the gospel record speaks of others, of the Pharisees that came to faith in Christ. So in reference to the context and the events and the status of Jesus with these leaders of the Pharisees, when Luke records for us here that on that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, get out and depart from here for Herod wants to kill you. We have to ask ourselves, are these Pharisees friends or foes? Are they guys that are against him or are they ones that are for him? If these Pharisees were the ones that were against Jesus, he would have known their heart right away. He knew the heart of all men. And so when they came to, hey, you need to get out of here. Herod's going to kill you. You need to leave. Jesus would have seen right through them at that very point. He would have recognized their warning as simply some kind of a a pretext in trying to derail his ministry, trying to stop his uh, intended visit and final trip into Jerusalem. Beloved, I want to let you know this morning that the enemy of our soul is always trying to distract us, always trying to derail us from the plans and the purposes of God in our life, and he'll bring all kinds of things before us. And perhaps not so much trying to get us to reject the plan of God as simply trying to get us to delay or to take some kind of a detour around. And you know what? Jesus didn't buy into it, not for a moment. But you know what? How easy it is for us to, again, hear something that might be fearful, something that might uh, be something that's going to be a struggle in our life as we desire to follow after the Lord, as we desire to continue in obedience, and suddenly something comes before us, whether it's a a warning, whether it's a thought, whether it's uh, something that's taken place in our life, and suddenly we think, well, maybe I ought to back down. Maybe I ought to back away. Do you understand that the enemy is the one that wants you to back down? The enemy is the one that wants you to pull back. Our God wants us to press forward. Our God wants us to stay on mission, stay on track in it all. If, however, if these Pharisees that came to him were friendlies, Jesus would have also known their heart. And yet even with their good intent, even with their concern for the master, they were still buying into the enemy's plans by magnifying the ability of the enemy and offering up the plans of man to get the plan of God completed. Help you understand what I'm saying. If these were those that cared about Jesus... They knew that Herod wanted to destroy Jesus. And so out of their care and out of their concern for Jesus, they said, listen, you've got to leave. Herod wants to destroy you. Let me ask you this, church. Do you think that Jesus understood what Herod's intent was for him? Absolutely. He he, he knew exactly what it was. Do you think that Jesus was fearful that someone was going to take his life? He knew that that was going to happen. He knew that in just a few days from this point in time, he would be arrested and and crucified. He understood that. But these well-intending friends, they thought that they saw something that he didn't see. They thought that they understood something that he didn't understand. And so they came with care and concern and gave him some thoughts and some ideas, but it's based on fear And it's based on the plan of man rather than based on the Spirit of God led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. They said, you need to leave. You need to get away. That's not God's plan. 
That wasn't God's purpose. That's something that's led by fear and how deceitful the enemy is in every one of our lives, even using good intentions and good plans to try and thwart that true plan of God in our lives. Pharisees, friends or foes, Jesus wouldn't let himself get placed on a detour in this pursuit of the Father's perfect will in his life. Nor would he let the threats of the enemy, either spiritual or physical enemy, cause him to react in fear rather than move on faith. Jesus moved on faith. He moved under the direction and the leading of the Spirit of God. And beloved, that's where you and I need to be in our lives. But yet the world cries out so often. And and, and the signs are there so clearly. We think, well, maybe I do need to back down. Maybe I do need to, to, to lessen my pursuit of the things of God. Maybe I do need to cool down my passion for the things of God because it's causing a rift here. It's causing problems there. But beloved, I'm going to tell you this. If you pursue God, it will cause rifts. It will cause troubles. Jesus says, in this world, you'll have many tribulations. Why? Because you're following him. He said, be of good cheer. What? I've overcome the world. You see, we're in good company when we stand in faith and we face persecutions for our faith. We're in good company because that's exactly where our Lord Jesus was. And as we follow him with the purity and the depth of our heart, beloved, we're going to run into that. But if we stop, if we back down, if we allow the world to cause us to be silent, if we allow the enemy to distract us or detour us from the continual pursuit of what God has called for us to be in our lives, the salt of of this world, the light of this world, to be spokesmen for the things of God in this life. If we allow the enemy to silence us, then you know what? The enemy is one, and we've again fallen prey to his deceit and his trickery. Jesus told the Pharisees, He says, you go to Herod and you tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons. I I perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. Listen, by the way, when he calls Herod a fox, that's not a compliment, okay? He's not complimenting him in any way. You can trust me on that. Jesus was in essence saying that Herod was a dangerous man. He was full of all kinds of trickery, all kinds of conniving. Now, you and I, we can look at a a four-legged fox, nice, furry, cute little animal, and we can think, wow, what a cute little animal that is. And, you know, you've probably seen the videos of them jumping around in snow and how cute the foxes are. And foxes are really cute unless you own chickens. If you own chickens, you realize foxes are not cute at all. They're conniving, they're deceitful, they're dangerous, and they're destructive. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying about Herod. Foxes will use every trick in the book and even invent a few of them in that effort to invade and to destroy those young chickens. Jesus wasn't going to let Herod have his way. He wasn't going to run from Herod's threat or or fall for his trickery at all. Jesus would stay on mission, the calling that's been given to him by God the Father. There'd be nothing so important, nothing so fearful that would ever be able to pull him off of his mission. Neither would Jesus slow down, and he wasn't going to slack off. He was going to continue, and as he told Herod, you go tell him, hey, you know what, I'm still casting out demons. 
I'm still performing cures today and tomorrow. I'm not going to slow down. I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to continue on mission of what God has called me to do in my life. And beloved, if the church would just be able to take that same stand, we would make some major inroads into the world that's around us. But unfortunately, we bought into the lies of the enemy time and time and time again. Many look at the declaration of Jesus and they say, well, you know, he's speaking again uh, prophetically about what's going to happen to his life, even this impending uh, arrest and crucifixion. He says, on the third day, I'm going to be perfected. Well, Jesus continued to minister to the people uh, that were all around him, even knowing what was going to be taking place in just a few days. He understood the cost of obedience. He understood the consequences of following the Father's plan over the designs and the desires of the world. He wasn't going to slack off. He wasn't going to back down. He wasn't going to cower in the corner. He wasn't going to do less than what the Father had planned for him simply because the world, its system, and its leadership were in disagreement with him. He continued to do the Father's will. And beloved, that's what we need to determine to do as his followers that we will stay and stand strong and we will press forward with the hope of the gospel even when it's not received, even when it's rejected, and even when there's consequences that would come against us because of it. Jesus continued to do the Father's will. You and I need to continue to do the Father's will. Counting the cost but still doing the Father's will. In Acts chapter 4, you don't need to turn there, but let me remind you of the event that happened within the lives of the apostles, Peter and John. They had been testifying of the greatness of God. They had seen the power of God, again, working within their lives and within the lives of the people that they ministered to. And because of that, they were being threatened by the leaders of their day to speak no more in that man's name or in the name of Jesus. And yet Peter and John's response to them was this. He says, rather it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You see, they were willing to take the consequences for remaining steadfast, for remaining faithful in the message. The law comes up and says, you know what? You cannot say that or do that anymore. Beloved, are we ready to kowtow down to the government or leadership or anything that says, well, we need to back off. We need to soften the message of the gospel. We can't call sin, sin, because that might offend someone. We need to say other things. We need to make it presentable. We need to make it soft. Or are we ready both corporately together as this small portion of the body of Christ and individually as members of that body of Christ to continue to stand for the truth of God and to understand that there may be consequences in our life when we take a stand for Jesus and we say this far and no further. When we take a stand and say, I cannot find myself being a part of this anymore because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that causes me to walk differently. I can't join in these things. I can't agree with that. And no, there is a love and tolerance has a whole different definition today than it did 20 or 30 years ago.
can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. small